Hey, it's Darren from Bonfire. Thanks for checking out the podcast. This episode was recorded live on YouTube and Facebook. Head on over, you'll get the full Bonfire experience. Consider giving us a like and a subscribe. And when you do that, you help fuel more free content here on Bonfire Sports. Find everything you need, links and more, bonfiresports.ca. Now, enjoy the show. Dakota Prukop is out. We will tell you why that matters right away. Jackson Jeffcoat, the all-star defensive end, is in as the Blue Bombers and Red Blacks go back-to-back Friday night. Chris Walby, what's going on? Let's get it going on game day, Winnipeg. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Listen, uh, you know what? This uh, The game last week was uh, so entertaining. I thought every game last week, even the blowout in BC, was entertaining. For a number of factors. Obviously, the one in BC was uh, entertaining because for the first time in so many years, they sold up the upper bowl. They had people in the upper bowl. Uh, 59 points by a team that I did not think was going to be that uh, tough. Or and is Edmonton that bad? Work. My God. if you want, He had the best debut as a rookie since the legendary Russ Jackson. Um, yeah, I couldn't be happier. And you listen to the kid. He's calm. He's not cocky. Uh, he's confident. Uh, but man, threw the ball extremely well, uh, and just took advantage of every mistake that Edmonton uh, could have made. But um, you look at that game, and you look at Calgary last minute field goal to win. You look at Winnipeg last minute field goal to win. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I just loved all the games. I thought the CFL really, really rebounded with a nice set of first, uh, first games. Absolutely, it was it was a great week one in the Canadian Football League, and you touched on some of those. Uh, tonight, Thursday night, if you're watching live or, or uh, on Thursday uh, here on Bonfire Sports, Alouettes at Argos. And Alouettes owner says, we're going to, what was the exact quote, Chris? Like, we're going to, we're going to kick their butt or. Well, he actually came back and re, uh, re, restated that because he thought it was the wrong way to put it. He said, we're going to kill those Argonauts. Our- we're going to kill them. Yeah, that's Argos. what he said. And he thought, you know what? He got some feedback from. I guess the media and they said this is not the word you kind of use for society anymore. <laughs> so he kind of said we're going to beat those guys, and that's you know I mean, but I I listen, I know we're a society that's very sensitive to how we say anything anymore. Uh, but I mean, I think the owner, in all his honesty, uh, you know Gary Stern, I think he just he was just having fun. Yeah, he's trying to build the rivalry, trying to get people in, you know involved in this game, trying to get a lot of people in Toronto to come out. Uh, you know, and obviously I think, you know, it's a bold statement when your co- when your owner makes that and your co and your and your your head coach Kyrie Jones goes, dang, and I don't even have William Stanback. He's on a sixth game after fracturing his ankle. He had surgery, I believe, on Sunday or Monday. So wow. It's gonna be crazy, man. No, it, it's gonna be uh it's like I'm I'm looking forward to Friday night and this rematch, like a 1917 Blue Bombers win that, you know, Zach Schnitzer and I talked about on Bonfire Midweek, Chris, hit some technical difficulties, but for those that checked out uh, what was posted, appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back uh, again Tuesday nights as always, but we, we talked a little bit about it on Bonfire Midweek. Were the Blue Bombers lucky or fortunate or whatever word you want to use to describe it? 
the way I saw Chris is they were lucky to come away with a win. That said, blue, uh, good football teams like the Blue Bombers win games just like that. Good teams get lucky. Lucky teams are good. And it, it served Winnipeg in uh, a two-point win over Ottawa. It's, it's funny. First off, uh, when you said uh, you and Zach uh, were talking about uh, 1917, I'm like, my God, where'd you get film from 1917? Maybe it was the beer. Bingo. That's a score, you idiots. I smacked myself. But having said that, yeah, they lucked out. But they, they won the turnover battle, and that's one thing that's really been an identity of this Bomber team. They win the turnover battle, and anytime you win it, you know, you've got like a 95% chance of winning that football game. So, uh, yeah, kudos for them to find a way to win. Uh, you know, I, I'm again, I'm a little disappointed. And, you know, I thought Drew Brown came in, and, I mean, I, I was blown away how tight he threw a spiral. He was awesome. He, was, he really played well. I mean, you know, when they, the one time that uh, Ottawa did rush, uh, Dembski just slid across the middle where the linebacker was when he vacated and hit him for a little run. And Dembski slipped, but he still picked up a first down. And then you got the guy that I think is going to be a star in this league again, and he has been for many years, five-time, 1,000-yard receiver. Greg Ellingson had the big day, six for 74 and a touchdown, uh, fitting right in uh, to that bomber offense. We're going to talk about uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks starting safety. Canadian Justin Howell is out. Who they're going to replace him with. William Powell, their star running back, will miss a second consecutive game yet to make his 2022 debut. Randy Richards on the offensive line. Um, and, you know, the Blue Bombers run game left us wanting. Uh, we'll talk about Jackson Jeffcoat, the effect he will have on the Blue Bombers defense. Dakota Prukop, the Blue Bombers short yardage quarterback that got a lot of touches in week one on the six game injured list, undisclosed, uh, no firm update from head coach Mike O'Shea as usual. Uh, no surprise there, but I want to start, you know, you, you mentioned um, Greg Ellingson and, you know, six catches on seven targets Involved early and often, Dalton shown Nick Dembski. On the other side, though, Chris, Darvin Adams was the most targeted player in the game. Seven catches on, on nine targets for 71 yards, but yeah. it was Jalen Acklin who really, I'll put it bluntly, ate Winston Rose's lunch last hey. Friday in Winnipeg. Uh, yeah. Six catches on eight targets, 143 yards, uh, three big ones on Winston Rose. I'll give yeah. Winston Rose credit for coming out and speaking to the media after the game and taking accountability yeah. for his play. But how did the Blue Bombers stop Jalen Acklin when he was so dangerous with the deep ball in week one? Well, I think it's interesting. You know, I was probably on your boat, same boat, saying, you know, wow. When you lead your team in tackles and you're in the corner, that's not good. When you're DB and you got, you know, that kind of tackling, nine tackles last week. But uh, I will say this. In his defense, there may have been times where a safety should be over the top and helping him. And we don't see that because we just look at the play. We see a guy getting beat. And, and, and I know the one that he did almost get beat was Acklin dropped that bomb early in the game that would have went for sure for a touchdown. But you always wonder if there's supposed to be some cover over top and you wonder how much this team misses Brandon Alexander, number 37. I mean, I think he is the guy that really kind of stirs that defensive uh, secondary, tells make sure wherever he goes, he's very smart, he's very physical. And I, and I, I mean, nothing against Malcolm uh, Thompson, but he doesn't have that experience yet, right? So you wonder, and I'm just saying, you just wonder if that happens sometimes. I mean, that side of the field with Dietrich Nichols and Winston Rose, we really said in our pregame last week, 
We didn't worry about that side. We're saying they're probably going to go after Tyquan Glass, Nick Taylor, and and maybe uh, Donald Rutledge Jr. Right. And it was the complete opposite. Donald Rutledge Jr. had a, a whale of a game, you know, according to stats, like five tackles, a special team, and a sack. Played very well. Very happy with his game. Gave a lot of credit to the guys around him. But you almost I, – I don't want to put everything on um, Winston Rose because it's like an old lineman who gives up a sack. And they go, come on, man. Can't that guy block? And then you find out that the back was supposed to be there to chip more. The back was supposed to pick up somebody else. So a lot of times any sack is attributed to – and even if the quarterback holds the ball sometimes, right, it's attributed to the old line play. Now, Bombers did not give up a sack, and Ottawa only gave up one. So it was a good game on both sides of the trenches. But I think – and I don't want to get away from your storyline because we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, all the stuff on the Bombers, but I'm really happy to see Jackson Jeff Coat here. I'll just say that. We'll yeah. get back to Jackson in a while. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jeff Coat missed week one in the lineup for week two. We'll get into the, all the details of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers roster uh, in just a few minutes. Uh, shout out to everybody who just jumped over from Winnipeg Sports Talk. Shout out to Huss and Remo, uh, great friends and allies of ours here on Bonfire Sports. Uh, John Phyllis, uh, uh Everybody, David yeah. and Leslie and Bob, everybody joining us in the live chat, watching live on Facebook, watching live on YouTube. Keep hitting up uh, the live chat. We'll, we'll get you involved uh, in the conversation. Absolutely. Um, maybe you got a question for the legends to my virtual right, Chris Walby uh, here on Game Day Winnipeg. One thing I noticed week one, Chris, what? in Winnipeg, what? was the Ottawa Red Blacks bringing a real physical level. Yes to their game. And I talked to Paul Apolice live yesterday afternoon. If you missed that conversation, you can find it uh, on our YouTube page, a uh, one-on-one uh, with coach Lapo talked about his time here in Winnipeg and, and uh, a lot of other topics. He says, you know, we prepare for every game to be physical. Now through training camp, both of these teams knew they had back-to-backs against each other. So you prepare the blue bombers have a real reputation being a physical football club like they come and smack you in the mouth that's why they're intimidating that's why they're good points and defense and all the rest is great but if you can bring that physical edge you can intimidate your opponent the ottawa red blacks came out hitting and hitting hard i felt that that really maybe put the blue bombers on their heels a little bit and that's why we saw a big stretch in the middle of the game where everything was flat a lot of two and outs on offense from Zach Caleros and company. Um, I think Winnipeg really needs to step up the physicality on Friday. Well, I think O'Shea said that too in his last conference. He, uh, Coach O'Shea said that he thought if there's one thing that the, the players said, not that he said it, but the players uh, talked about themselves is that they wanted to bring more physicality, be a little bit more physical at the line of scrimmage. And I think that's a reflection of the fact that they only rushed for like 23 yards. I think the fact is this is a team that really wants to get that. This They're, they're known. They're known for running the ball. This is probably the top O line in the CFL. And they, and the run game was not indicative of that. Now you cannot blame the O line for that as all the time too, because sometimes the backs missed a hole. They hesitate too much. They have, you know, there's definitely penetration at times I saw, but uh, you know, it's funny. I saw somebody mentioned up on our um, wonderful there, uh, our comment section. What about Johnny Augustine? And I've been saying this for a long time. Listen, Brady's a heck of a running back, and he's going to be mm-hmm. very – let's not get take away from that. But I love the way that Johnny Augustine runs the football. 
He's hard. When you got a, a line getting really a lot of physical, you need a physical back. And Johnny gives you that. He only get, get carried the ball three times for 10 yards. Now, that's not enough. Listen, they carry the ball a total of 13 times. That's really low. I mean, uh, obviously, they were stuffed, and they can't. They had to rely on the pass. But having said that, I expect that uh, Winnipeg's going to come out a little bit more maybe of slot sweeps with Schoen. Uh, but I, I, I really do believe that they're really going to come out early and really try and establish that line of scrimmage. No, no question. No question there, Chris. I'm just pulling up uh, the numbers from last week and drawing attention to the run game. Brady Oliveira, 10 carries for 17 yards, just 1.7 yards per carry and along a six. Um, and then Johnny Augustine, three carries, 10 yards, a little bit better, but three yards per carry, three and a half is not good enough. Uh, Dakota Prukop was next to Brady Oliveira as far as touches in the run game. He was very good in the wedge package. He scored a touchdown. He picked up first downs. Uh, I, I've heard some criticism from fans about the way he runs and they don't like his form or whatever. I couldn't disagree more. I thought Dakota Prukop was excellent as the Blue Bombers' short yardage quarterback. Well, I remember this, though. A lot of that yards as well. I mean, obviously on the miss. Oh, it's the big boys up front. No question. That he took off and he actually picked up the first down, a crucial first down to keep that drive alive. So really, I mean, yeah. I mean, he, you know, he's a big body guy. It'll be interesting to see if they go with Joe Mancusa, the the guy that dressed for this game out of the University of Richmond and being a third-string quarterback. Or do they go with Drew Brown? I don't have a problem with Drew Brown. Uh, the fact that he can throw the ball, you know, he can play a little more games, I think. But uh, he's yeah, not a big I mean, body quarterback. He is not a big body. He no, is a, not, you know, but if your O line is blocking, right, you just got to get a hole. So if you're going a gap or sometimes just over the center, right behind Michael Couture, uh, you know what we, when we had short yards, and I hate to go back. It's almost like I used to walk school up ways, both ways, you know, but <laughs> miles Gorell and I played in short yarders, miles Gorell and myself went to guard. So we both went to the guards and the guards were playing that time. I think it was David black and Bob Molly went to the tackles. And we just we just kind of went hard right up the middle, and when you got six hundred pounds plus pushing in the middle, most of the time you're going to get it. So it was a big thing, and I wonder if sometimes if they get and they haven't been stuffed anyway. But I I think I'd like to see hard. I mean, I see Bryant comes in on field goals. He goes to guard. He goes to right guard. So they're trying to pre prevent any penetration coming in that a gap. So it's interesting about that, and wondering if they're going to put him in on short yarders like that. Uh, Here's a point for you there, DB. Yeah, no, like losing Dakota Prukop is a huge hit, in my opinion. Ah. He can really, really run Winnipeg uh, under Buck Pierce, under Paul Police prior. They loved using that scat back quarterback and putting him in on second and short or third and short, picking up the first down and then leaving him in to throw an opponent off their game. New in 2022, Chris, we know this. You can have two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. You and I touched on it a couple of weeks ago here on Game Day Winnipeg. If you have two quarterbacks on the field and suddenly Dakota Prukop or Drew Brown, whoever, if you have somebody who's a true dual threat like Dakota Prukop lining up at wide receiver, lining up at slot back, and you're an opposing defense, you have to account for that guy. It's not Darvin Adams throwing a lofty ball or a Weston Dressler throwing a lofty ball like we've seen in years past here in Winnipeg. It's a bona fide quarterback who can zip a pass into a tight window. Uh, 
I think losing Dakota Prukop takes a whole wrinkle, an entire page, or maybe even a chapter out of the Blue Bombers offensive playbook. I, I think it, it absolutely hurts them. We'll see what Joe Mancuso can do. He's a big boy, but I haven't seen him run because we don't see quarterbacks run too often in practice. Well, yeah, but he won't be the running. If he is the third string, they'll put him in there just for that purpose, right? I mean, there's two thoughts. The about wedge, that. Yeah, yeah, the wedge, the short yardage. Well, yeah. no, but I'm saying there's two thoughts to that process. One is, you know, Dakota Prukup hurt his ankle, I believe, a lower body injury, and 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 I don't know if it was in the field goal or in one of the short yardage plays. Coach O'Shea believes it was earlier in the game. Uh, secondly, if you put in um, Drew Brown and he gets banged up on short yardage, your backup really does turn out to Joe Mancuso. Did they want to mm-hmm. take that chance? Right. Because now they hurt one guy in a short yardage. So maybe because of that point, they put Joe Mancuso. I mean, as a quarterback, uh, take the ball and go, you know, find a hole. Follow right. the button. Yeah, you know that's all you got to do, man. So I mean, I, that's what you used to say. That's what you used to say to the guys in the huddle, right? What's up? C, you say C sixty three. Follow my butt. No, we just say get it, get it, get the first down, or no beers for you. No beers for you. Well, no beers, uh, man. Mind you, none of them running backs. Well, Willard had a couple, but most of the <laughs> running backs I play with there, they were they were, they were the epitome of health. The old linemen were just like. We had the good barrels going. Well, Willard was Willard was the pillar of health. Oh, he's always still, you know, he's uh, has the occasional cold, cold, uh, sure uh, beverage now, but he still looks there. like he looks like he could play still. Like, I mean, he just, uh, he's in great shape. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I just got a call from a guy, uh, this week who who's doing a documentary on Willard and asked me if I'd, you know, meet him somewhere and talk about Willard, which is, you know, it's, which I said for sure. I mean, I, I, I got a lot of respect for that guy. He's one of the best I ever played with. So, but anyway, that's getting off the thing. But I, my point again is, I think you're going to see Joe Mancuso at uh, at short yardage. I think it would be smart uh, too, right? Yeah, I think it might be. Uh, again, there's you know he's going to take all snaps. He's had all week to do it. I mean, did, did, I mean, obviously you must have did, when you were at practice. You didn't see any of that. No, no, they okay. only had one practice this week, and it was kind of a weird one because half was indoors because it was oh, yeah, raining yeah, outside, rain. and then they went outside and and well, not because it was raining, because there was a threat of lightning. Um, oh. and, but it was absolutely cats and dogs. And, and that was the only practice we, we saw this week. Uh, interesting question or, or point, I should say, um, from uh, Braden, uh, Brandon, sorry, in uh, the live chat. Put Dembski into short yardage. I don't hate this idea, Chris. Run a little wildcat. Why not? It, because, I mean, I, I think, you, should, you know, I love tricks, but I don't like to have trick plays because I don't want to out trick myself. If you're going but, to get your yardage but, play, yeah. If I can interject, I mean, but okay. Joe yeah. Mancuso has been here for what, a week? No, he was in that. here in training camp for a while. Nick Dembski, they have trust in him. He knows what's going on. I would rather have the ball in Nick Dembski's hands or Johnny Augustine's hands or Brady Oliveira's hands. Okay, I'll go with Johnny just because a bigger type body, tougher runner, like as far as just straight down north south. Uh, Nick Dembski's only 5'10, 185. He's no bigger than Drew Brown. Now, I would like one thing. You have a guy come and then you do a jet sweep. You know what I mean? You get a you get a slot back sweep with Dembski around where everybody's pinching because they're trying to take away the short yardage. You right. fake dive and you just toss, toss the ball to Dembski and he runs around the corner. If they don't have any, you know, upfield containment, he's going for a touchdown. And you saw that in BC when Nathan worked it that twice. Held the ball, faked it, went around the corner. There was nobody containing and he ran for a touchdown. He ran for a big play in the other one too. So, yeah. It's not a bad idea. It depends on what it is. If it's third and one, 
just go up the gut. If it's third and two and you're going to go for it and you're moving the ball, then I guess you can pull out if you want to do something different. And it depends where you are in the field, right? That's the big thing too, right? I'm not going to be doing this on my third yard, uh, you know, 30 yard line. If I'm right. on their side or midfield, okay, maybe I'll try a little trickery, but good well, point. I'll give you that DB. I'll give you one point. I'm marking it down. One point for DB. Oh, okay. Thank goodness. I need all those points I can get. Uh, everybody sure out you, there. Uh, appreciate you watching uh, game day Winnipeg here myself and the legend Chris Walby on bonfire sports. We're going to do this every week, all season long live three o'clock is what we'll aim for the day before the game. Uh, but we'll see how that goes with Chris's lake life lifestyle, um, through the summer months. My God, it's going to be a crazy late. If we get this so much rain, more rain, rain I know. more rain. Enough. I, I, I agree. Enough's enough. Enough's enough. Enough is enough, man. I mean, I got well, an arc at the lake right now. You're <laughs> building an arc, man. I'm rounding up the animals two by two. <laughs> Hollowing out some logs. Uh, Chris, oh, yeah. you know, in talking about short yardage, that leads into the run game. What did you see from the Blue Bombers offensive line in week one with, with really no ability to get the run game going? You saw Buck Pierce employ uh, like a, a, a real focus to run the football, but it was two and out, two and out, two and out all throughout the, the middle chunk of that game. They just couldn't get enough on first down. Ottawa did a great job up front against what many people still regard the best offensive line in the league. This is, I think you hit it on the head. You have to give credit. These are professional athletes. They're both getting paid. Defensive line on Ottawa, offensive line, and, you know, the offense versus defense. I think Mike Benavides working with Paula Police. And, again, I mentioned this last game when they played Ottawa. Paula Police coached the Bombers for a number of years. Led him to a great cup championship as offense coordinator. He knows what their favorite type of plays are. Now, Buck Pierce takes over and has done a fantastic job. But having said that, it's not like Buck went in and tore up Lapo's playbook and went, boop, we're gone. Let's start something new. He took the core and built around it. So I think that that gives him a little advantage. But that's in no way takes away the, uh, the, the way the defense of the Ottawa Red Blacks played. I thought they played exceptionally well. I think, you know, as you said, probably fortunate to come out with a win. Um, but, you know, good teams find a way, and that's the thing they did. I mean, now we'll be in Ottawa for the first time in, I think, three years. Uh, it's really going to be interesting. Uh, they're going to have a packed house. Uh, it's going to be a great game, and uh, I'm looking to see what they do at home with their home crowd. So, Well, how are they going to – and you're lucky my mic was muted there because I was ready to interrupt you, Chris. You could interrupt uh, how do they find a way to run the football? They couldn't do a thing last time. Do they need to change their no. approach? Do they need no. to get back to basics? Like, no. what would you employ if you're in that huddle, 63? Just basically stay at it. You know what? Know your assignment. Block on your assignment. Stay with it. I think I think the thing used to drive me nuts when I played is we try, say we did a 44, uh, 44 dive, which is between the guard and tackler, and he gets to read it depending where the end goes. And if we ran that play and we got stuffed, you just don't go. You know what? Throw that in the garbage. You keep going. Eventually, right. you're going to get it. I think that's – I mean, they ran the ball 13 times, boys. Come on. Where are the defense out? But, yeah, you do Do they definitely need to get more first-down production on the run game? Absolutely. They know that. It's a veteran group. You don't think that uh, – you know, and the, the guy that speaks the most for this old line, Jamarcus Hardrick, you know, and, and you know, and him and uh, Gray and Patty Newfeld. I mean, they're going to be saying, "Hey, come on, guys, we're better than this. Let's just do it." I have all the confidence in the world that the Bombers are going to come out and run the ball a lot more successfully than they did last week. 
Uh, interesting question from uh, John in the live chat. Uh, shifting back to the quarterbacks, how much longer does Zach Kolaris have here in Winnipeg? Do the Blue Bombers start looking for another number one quarterback, even though they have Prukop and Brown? I don't know if Dakota Prukop is, uh, no. you know, a potential starter uh, in the CFL. I think he can help you win a football game. He can get you through. Uh, I've been mentioning this for a couple of weeks. I think Drew Brown has something special yeah. in him. I think he can. I bet a couple, you know, like casual handshake bets or whatever with, with some media members going into the season, Chris, I think Drew Brown will start games in the CFL. That's how confident I am just from what I've seen in him and, and, you know, people I've talked to, but do the blue bombers go looking for the next number one? Not in my opinion. No, you know what? It, it, it this is going to terrible way to answer that, but if he's healthy and it stays healthy, you don't even worry about it. He's the highest paid guy. Listen, it's kind of hard when you're making 500k a year to say, you know what, man, I'm not sure I want to keep doing this. Uh, <laughs> but having said that, he t if he gets, you know, knocked around a little bit, uh, wow. and God forbid something like a hit uh, like he took last week, uh, where it becomes more serious and he has to miss some time, then definitely I think the organization and uh, Kyle Walters will look at saying, okay, maybe now we need to find somebody who down the road, and it may be Drew Brown. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to give you that one because. I was, I actually thought Dakota played in the second exhibition game better than Drew. And then after I watched Drew and the way he orchestrated coming in cold at a crucial time in a football game to lead him down to the field goal, I actually went, wow, I was blown away. And I said, this kid, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm on board with you. He, uh, he showed a lot of a pizzazz and a lot of just, uh, you know, just calm in the huddle. And, you know, this is a guy that you think would be get rattled. What a time, you know, you don't even get to warm up. You throw one ball, you got to go in now. Well, and, he, he uh, did, there there was a procedure call in there. I think it was on the offensive line, but it was, you know, Drew Brown mentioned it after the game. It was his cadence, you know, like that. That's one of the hardest well, things. Like you uh, go from Zach Kolaris for three and a half, three and three quarter quarters of football. Right. Most of the game, Drew Brown comes in in the final minute and suddenly it's a different voice, a different cadence, meaning like, you know, uh, the, the, the flow of how the words are coming out of his mouth pre-snap. Well, you know, you were, you were there, Chris, how, how, how much can a, can a different quarterback's oh, yeah, was different. You know, if I go from like Dieter, Dieter Brock to like a Tommy Clements, uh, to a Matt Dunnigan, Matt was very loud. He was very hot, 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 hot. You know I mean? You can make out the one if it's on three, if it's on first sound and you had some guys would get in there and they go, hut. Now is that one or two? You know what I mean? It's kind of runs together. And those are the ones that say, Hey, Hey, and if you're on an O line and you're ready to tee off on somebody or pass pro, you don't want to even have a question mark when it's going to be. You want to say, okay, because right. that's the advantage you have. You know the snap count. If I don't know the snap count, then that DN is going to be right around me. So, yeah, definitely uh, it takes use to uh, different guys. But that's why they practice, so they get used to different snaps and uh, different the way different guys call. And some guys like to call it on the same. We used to have to tell some of the quarterbacks, hey, hey, big man, you're calling it on one way too much now. Change it up. Right. Quarter three. And then get a hard count. And you'll get a lot of these guys because they're so used to going on one, they jump. So that's why you want to change it up, right? I mean, put them in a situation where they're hesitant and then you got a chance. Love everybody uh letting us know your thoughts and questions uh in the live chat. You can also hit up the hotline 204-816-TIPS. That's 816-8477. Call, leave a voicemail, text, let it fly. Um, and uh, we'll see if we can get uh, it on the show. Uh, hey, do you want to mention? Yeah, go ahead, Chris. Let me just jump on this one. I, I like Brandon B's comment here. 
And it's something we haven't talked about, but I think it's uh, something they last one they did. It was with uh, Strebler, Chris Strebler. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brand, uh, Brandon, good, a uh, good comment. Maybe we should see some packages for Brown as the season progresses. I yeah. believe that will happen. I think that's smart. And you see what happened with Strebler? He would go in for short yardage, and then he'd stay in for the next couple of plays. I can see that happening with Drew Brown. Yep, I, I, I think it's 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 a it's a tough thing to defend against, right? Because you don't know yeah. what the Blue Bombers are going to do. Is Claris coming in? Is, is someone different? Like it, it probably puts a little bit of of nerves in the knees of the defenders. Chris, I have to mention a great supporter of our channel, a fantastic local business. Uh, it is Maroons Road Apparel. You can wear your Winnipeg Pride. Maroons Road Apparel is locally owned and offers t-shirts, hoodies, toques, and a whole lot of other really cool things with nostalgic Winnipeg designs like the old stadium, the old arena, even the iconic Fat Boy Burger. Uh, Father's Day is right around the corner. I, you know, as in this weekend. Um, what? Go check them out, maroonsroadapparel.com. I love this design, this new Blue Bombers design they got with the bye wing and dropping the football bombs. That is such a cool design. You can follow them on Instagram, at maroonsroadapparel. You can find them on our Twitter page as well. Um, They got all types of really cool styles, Chris. Big shout out to them. Uh, Awesome people and, and a great small business that, you know, you can support local. And actually, that's what you should be doing, supporting local. And i just like to do a shout-out to them and to my four sons. Remember Father's Day. Hey, 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 let's go, buddy. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, what do you, you got You got 14 kids, right? You got to get something nice for Father's Day? Yeah, four that I claim. Four. Uh, <laughs> four different time as a pro athlete uh, before the smartphone, right, Chris? Oh God! You and I have had that conversation. I've got a smartphone back there. I can honestly say I probably have a two-year career. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when we call you the legendary Chris Walby, it's not just because of your exemplary play on the field for nearly two decades. Your two most outstanding offensive lineman awards. How many times you you were a runner-up to that? How many times you were an All-Star, three-time Grey Cup champ? You're a legend because of what you did off the field, and it wasn't just you know it wasn't just brunch at Chi-Chi's. Yeah, yeah, but it's you know what that was the culture we had back then too, and, and yeah, one it was thing a different that, time. Kel uh, Murphy was really into the fact that we were a community-owned team to be part of the community. And of course, it's a little different for me too in the fact that I grew up in the North of Winnipeg. You know, I'm from the North End. I lived here. I went to school here at St. John's High School. You know, Tigers, go Tigers! I mean, Winnipeg Rods. Yeah, I played for the Winnipeg Rods. I and I still tell a story how I got cut from the Winnipeg Hawkeyes. And they said I should find a new sport. Wow. Um, yeah, that was, I had to take my equipment in a garbage bag and watch the rest of the team practice because I got to ride with my buddy who made the team. <laughs> you've never, you know what, you've never, you've never told me that before. Well, I didn't know I that. I, yeah. Anyway, that's the truth. It was fun. Well, but, maybe uh, it's a good thing the Hawkeyes are are no longer because if you. Oh, I like this great organization. I think that, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just one of those things. Uh, it probably made me a better person because I'm sure it motivated me to get bigger and better because I, I realized and they probably looked at it and said, you know what, at that time, wow. You know, you just, you know, I was a big skinny kid. I mean, I was only, I think in high school, grade 12, I was six, seven, 185 pounds, 185 buddy. Wow. I got pictures where I got an Adam's apple sticking out that people could hang a coat on. I mean, it was just, <laughs> I was just, thin. but then I just, uh, the big man upstairs says, I mean, he felt sorry for me. He says, let the man put some pounds on. And they came quick and 
I went from that to uh, doing uh, commercials on uh, uh, Bugs Bunny as Porky the Pig, and then <laughs> lost some weight, and then they start working hard. All, all I know is your Chicken Delight commercials. That's, oh, that's all. Oh, don't even go there. And you know, <laughs> I did that commercial. I did that commercial for ten pizzas, and then they were going to throw in an extra pizza if I would drive around in their yellow convertible and put the bird suit on. And that's for one I, more pizza. One more pizza. Oscar, Boy. I think his name was Oscar something. They used to have Oscar days or, uh, uh, yeah. But anyway, I just said, you know what? That was the end of the relationship at that end of the year. I thought for all that stuff I was doing, I was going and signing autographs, going around for a pizza. Nah. <laughs> Waiters 27 in the live chat mentioning, uh, oh, sorry. I think I got the wrong one. It was, oh, Arlen saying even Michael Jordan got cut once. Hashtag bomber legend. No question about that. You were the first name to go up in the ring of honor at IG field. I'm curious to see who, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see uh, who's going to go up uh, this year, but we, we digress, Chris. I want to ask you about maybe the most, if from a bombers fan perspective, maybe the most scary thing from the week one win and that was Winston Rose getting beat by double moves from Jalen Acklin. Acklin yeah. comes over from the Hamilton Tiger Cats, as did Jeremiah Mazzoli. You mix in the creative play calling and yeah. offensive system of Paul Apolice. Ottawa looks dangerous on offense. Um, and, and in particular, throwing the ball to Darvin Adams and to Jalen Acklin. Winnipeg needs obvious. The obvious is they need to be sharper on those double moves. Winston Rose, uh, I'm, I'm sure he... Uh, cringed over the film watching session yeah, following sure. that game. Yeah, but hey, um, listen, DB, we all have games like that. Everybody, anybody that tells me they played a great game, every game of their career, man, come on, you're lying. I mean, there's going to be days. And mm-hmm. those days make you stronger. I mean, he's got great character. He's a perennial all-star. He led the league in interceptions a number of years. I think he bounced back. So he's going to have a big game. Now, you mentioned the fact today, listen, Ottawa only ran the ball 20 times. Right. But the, I thought well, Winnipeg. one thing that I was very impressed with, I thought their offensive line, that Ottawa's offensive line played very well. They only gave up one sack, and that was to uh, uh, Rutledge Jr. Yep. Uh, I mean, a pass for 380. They had like 441 yards of, of net offense. They threw the ball, knowing they had to throw the ball. But that's why I think that when you get a guy like uh, Jackson Jeffcoat back now on the other side, it's it's funny how they could tee off on Willie. So Willie Jefferson ended up with two tackles, but they weren't worried about Cedric and Wilcox and those guys over there. They were on Mac. They weren't worried about him as much. They were really concerned about Willie because Willie's a game changer, right? Now you got Jackson on the other side. It's going to be really interesting to see because now you got two perennial. You know, Hall of Famers coming up, uh, uh, rushing your quarterback from the outside. Well, and still no Randy Richards for the Ottawa Red Blacks either. Yeah. So I wouldn't say their offensive line is is beat up, but you know, when you they have Ucombre Williams, uh, an All Star caliber left tackle, yeah. uh, Darius Sirocco, Jacob Ruby, some uh, Hunter Stewart, some really good Canadians uh, on in the middle, and then uh, another veteran in Boyd uh, at right tackle, um, or at least back for a second season in the CFL, Dino Boyd. Um, so, you know, will Ottawa run the football? I can, I, I would imagine when you have Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson on the yeah. edges, some good players like Casey Sales up the middle, Adam Big Hill, uh, you have to keep the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defense uh, honest. And, you know, if, if Winston Rose isn't going to be as aggressive, like he said following the game, that, you know, he, 
he didn't say that he cheated, but he said he played too aggressive. You're essentially cheating. You're looking into the backfield. You're yes. watching yes. for what's going to happen. And then the double move, boom, Jalen Acklin yeah. is, is long gone and, and you got 50 yard hits. Play, um, the play the receiver, not what you think is going to happen. Try and keep everything in front of you because that's what happens. Sometimes he thinks it's going to be a quick out. He's going to jump it, and then the guy does a double move, as you said, and that's very astute to you. Boom, he's over the, over the top. Uh, listen, this is a guy with 143 yards in receiving, and, and if he caught that one, over 200. I mean, he would have had 200-plus yards receiving. I mean, he had a great game. I thought that, uh, you know, Shaq, I like Shaq Johnson on the other side. They've, they've upgraded, like we talked. I think 10 of the, four, 10 of the 12 starters are new. Um, yes. they, they've got talent now. And think about this. A guy that I really like at running back, William Powell, still not playing. I think he's dealing with a Achilles. I think it's a tender yeah. Achilles. I'm, I'm told he's close. Like he's close. They don't want to. Oh, they is, don't want to push him, right? Because he's oh, a workhorse. Oh They're going to be God. leaning on him all year. Now Devontae Williams is really happy because it's the first time he gets to start in front of his home, in front of the home crowd. I didn't even know that he was on the Bomber practice roster for a while. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. I read I read about it tonight. I said I didn't remember, him, but that's well, of course you don't really hear much about the practice guys, but. I'm um, really happy for the young kid to see what he does. Uh, they like him, but uh, obviously nine for 33, you know, you really want to get, that's only two points something too. So, I mean, uh, I, I think the running game on both sides was not a, a major factor in the game. Well, if you want to know about the practice roster guys, follow Bonfire Sports. I was talking about Kenny Lawler two and a half years ago. Yeah. Not last year when he exploded. I was talking about him two and a half years ago. So, uh, yeah, keep who it locked. The guy that, who is the guy that you like to talk about that you met in a car wash? Oh, geez. West, yeah. He was, West, uh, West the West big West body West. receiver. Yeah. Hey, yeah. West, yeah. I gave you so much heck because you're like, I met this guy in a car wash. What a great guy. He's well, yeah, we ended up, player. we ended up talking for like 45 minutes yeah, about all, all types and, of stuff. He washed yeah. his car and got cut. He did. <laughs> he did. But he did, he did play in some games. That name is the, maybe. That name is escaping me right now. Ten years well, covering good. this team, I, I, I kind of lose them. But... You guys are still exchanging Christmas cards. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, Chris Walby, Darren Bombing. It's game day, Winnipeg here on Bonfire Sports, week two, and a Bombers Red Blacks rematch on Friday in Ottawa. Chris, do you expect it to be another low-scoring game? I noticed that um, the point spread. Uh, is different than it was. It was a what big, it heavy. It was a heavy, heavy line uh, to the Blue Bombers in Week One. Uh, it, it came Point. down quite a bit. Uh, where is it at now? I'm going to take a look uh, just for the latest. Uh, I think it's four and a half. No, uh, that's that's more like two and a half. half. It's two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. That yeah. Makes it so to on. in Week One, Winnipeg opened at six and a half. It went all the way to ten on game day. Uh, and then came good. back down right before they were, kickoff. They were judging that was that crazy. Yeah, well, they were judging crazy. that DB on the last year in Ottawa's three and whatever record. Uh, and I actually want to say something real quick, and I'll let I'll let this go. But Larry yeah. uh, Tag in the uh, comments said, uh, "I played D line. That's right. I forgot. I played D line at St. John's, and I tried out for D line with the Hawkeyes. And it wasn't until I went to oh no, I played D line with the Rods too, and I played yeah. D line in the university." So, and then you played D-line with the Montreal Alouettes, who drafted you. With Junior Ayu, Billy White Shoes Johnson, what's this, uh, Tom Cousineau, <laughs> the quarterback, Ferragamo, Vince Oh, Ferragamo. Vince Ferragamo. 
Holy. That I used to walk behind because all the girls would scream. They'd go, Ooh, Well, he was he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated in a Montreal Alouettes jersey yeah, like, yeah. during his time in Canada. Couldn't play the game. Couldn't play the game. Couldn't read that 12th man. It's amazing. And they paid him a lot of money. Well, sure. They, they needed to get him up here uh, north of the 49th. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, Chris, the, the, the pass game, let's flip to the other side of the field and, uh, Luke, who's watching live on Facebook, shout question. out Luke. Yep. Will the blue bombers take advantage of the injury to starting red blacks, safety, Canadian, Justin Howell. Uh, they've got a true rookie coming in there for those watching Antoine Pruno, who was the perennial all-star Canadian safety for years in Ottawa, still on the team, was listed number two on the depth chart last week. Howell comes out a day, leapfrogs Pruno into the starting job. This is a 24-year-old fresh rookie, albeit he did play at West Virginia in the NCAA. Yeah, but, you know, it's funny that if you look at the stats, uh, Pruno had five tackles and two special teams. He actually led the team in tackles for getting spot duty. I think, and I love that question. I think that's a great question there, Luke, uh, because if I was an offense coordinator and I have a rookie starting at that safety position, I'm going after him. I want to try and get something in the middle of the field, trying to get him come up and get somebody behind him. Maybe do a post route, you know, a post and corner, whatever I have to do. But, uh, yeah, I'd go after him. But it'll be interesting because if they go after him and they get success early, do not be surprised to see Antoine Pernod back in that lineup starting there. Because what he gives, what he lacks in maybe a little bit more speed because he's getting older, a little long in the tooth, he makes up for an experience. He's a former all-star at that position. So, you know what? You got. I think it's a good thing. And they're taking a chance on this Alonzo. They must like him. Yeah, clearly. They must like the kid. But I mean, he's... You know, you raised something. You raised an interesting point, Chris. You start the rookie so he is mentally prepared yeah. to play. Yeah. And then if you need to, you can go to Antoine Pruno, who no doubt is mentally prepared after, what is it, almost a decade eight yeah. years in the CFL. Um, that's the guy you go to off the bench. I wouldn't want to go to a 24-year-old rookie cold off the bench. I would rather go to my veteran um, that that maybe is just a little bit sharper between the ears and, and experienced in that sense. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, no, I mean, Pruno's a 32-year-old, and uh, you got a 24-year-old starting. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, I think Pruno keeps himself in, in, you know, in top shape. But I think if you see a guy in practice and you see him breaking on the football and making plays back there from that safety, you're kind of interested and intrigued to see what he would do when, when the lights come on for real. So right. I think it's a good move by Paula Police and Mike Benavides, the defensive coordinator, to allow him to play, see what he's doing. Obviously, he's going to get a lot of help from the veterans, you know, Abdul Kane, Arkana, and Randall Evans, the two halfbacks. So yep. that's the thing. But, I mean, he's got to be really smart to know where everybody is in that field. Because it doesn't take but one breakdown, one guy to go on the wrong side, and somebody's busting one for uh, you know a big game. Uh, appreciate everybody out there joining us in the live chat, watching live on YouTube or Facebook in the live chat. If you're watching live on Twitter, head over to uh, YouTube.com/slash Bonfire Sports. Jump in the live chat, or you yeah. can hit the hotline eight one six tips eight one six eight four seven seven. We would really appreciate a like and a subscribe. So uh, get into YouTube and uh, do those good things for us here on Bonfire Sports. Speaking of Randall Evans, Chris. He yeah. was the Ottawa Red Blacks defender that was at the point of contact with Zach Kolaris that forced him from the game. And when I say forced from the game, I don't mean forcing Kolaris, but forcing the CFL command center and their injury spotter to pull Zach Kolaris out for three plays. 
What did you think of the hit? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, Zach does not like to slide. Nope. He figured, you know, he's made that. He needed that first down. He went he for started. it. That's how he got really knocked out in Saskatchewan by Simone Lawrence. He went feet first like he would, but the contact came under the chin, really hit him in the helmet. This time he went head first. He got hit. I think it's, listen, if the result of the game came down in Ottawa when I still feel the same way, this is a guy that has a history. He has a history of concussions. It's, you got to play safety first. I mean, to me, it's all about safety. You got a long season. It's game one. Take him out for three plays, you know, and then just basically say, can you go back in? And he could have went back in. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. But, I mean, you're looking at Fajardo. Fajardo got hit. And, you know, in uh, I think he got hit by some. <laughs> he did get hit by Simone. Yes, Simone he did. Lawrence again, who got fined. Uh, but I don't think it was a terrible hit on him. But he said that he actually felt a little dizzy, got up. But because he didn't grab his helmet, the, uh, you know, the head uh, head guys in uh, Toronto, the injury sp- uh, spotter, didn't pull him out. They, they look I, for signs I, of distress. That's the yeah, quote-unquote signs yeah. of distress. And I'll tell you what, I, I, I think it's a great job. Listen, I know fans may don't like to see your number one quarterback coming out, but it's three plays, guys. And I'd rather have three plays than risk him for the rest of the year. You know what uh, uh, Zach Schnitzer of Bonfire Sports asked me on midweek? Schnitzer dogs, I like it. Schnitzer and cheese, please. We'll call up Winkler Meats and try to get a sponsorship deal. You should. Um, <laughs> he mentioned uh, on midweek uh, the other day, Chris, that you know, what you know, maybe the Blue Bombers wouldn't have won. Like Drew Brown came in, and suddenly the Red Blacks have a different quarterback to look at. Bang, bang, bang! Two run plays, field goal. The Blue Bombers win. If it was Zach Kolaris, and you base it on what we saw from Kolaris leading the offense through that game. Maybe Winnipeg wouldn't have gone down the field the way Drew Brown did. Well, he went a hurry up offense too. Well, uh, you know, and that's the thing he did. I thought he did extremely well. You know, the, and he threw the, a nice ball, uh, I think, to Schoen, and then he threw the the swing pass, which I thought was really smart because they blitzed that time. That's mm-hmm. the one time the middle backer uh, Avery Williams came to try to get through. He vacated right. that middle. Drew uh, Dembski goes across, gets a pat, uh, catch. Slips, but still picks up first down. And then they go to Mr. Reliable, who's turning out to be Mr. Reliable, and breaks a tackle and picks up yak yards in Greg Ellingson and puts him down on a 20-something yard line. Um, yeah, I was uh, I was impressed. And this is a guy going to hurry up, so it's not allowing Ottawa to get changes or anything in there. And sometimes you can't get the right call defensively. You're basically staying with basic, 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 whatever you got to do, right? Sorry, I think I'll give him a game now. <laughs> Andrea mentioning uh, in the live chat, no roughing the passer on the hit on Zach Kolaris. Once that quarterback tucks the ball and runs, yeah. they're a running back. They're a receiver. It, it makes no difference what they started so the play hard. at. So, so hard to say. When, mean, when Zach Kolaris is going, like doesn't matter if he, he hook slides or goes head first, he's a ball carrier. Until watch. he begins that slide, he can be hit like like anybody else. So no roughing the passer penalties could have been assessed uh, on that play. Well, My take, mean, yeah, yeah. A lot of times they'll say you should just touch him, right? Because he slid. And I can understand that point. But I also know that it's sometimes when the quarterbacks are running and they put their head down just to try and pick up extra yards, the defender is taught, get low, explode into the guy carrying the ball. Right. So unfortunately, you're going to have a helmet to helmet. And there's no way you can avoid that. So it's a really, really uh, delicate situation where sometimes it gets called and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, 
I guess I think the the uh, the umpires and referees are doing a good job so far of uh, calling the right thing and letting the other things go. I had no problem with the hit on Zach Kolaris. He oh, chose to go head first to pick up the first down. That's the risk you take. This is football. You have to protect quarterbacks. But as soon as he runs yeah. with the ball and he goes head first, he's not a he's not a quarterback. He is a regular, like any other position football player. He's a tailback. He's a receiver. Um, I had no problem with that hit. The one uh, that the CFL did have a problem with, Chris, is uh, the hit that Sherrard Baltimore of the Ottawa Red Blacks laid on Dalton Schoen. Uh, Schoen fumbled on the play. The Blue Bombers lost the ball. There was no penalty on the play. But Sherrard Baltimore fined an undisclosed amount for um, for that hit. Uh, what What goes through your mind when you see a turnover happen and no penalty on the play bombers lose the ball. And then there's a fine a few days later. You know what? It's, to me, it's nitpicking. It's like going over the film and saying, Hey, that guy held in that play. We should find him. Or this guy did that on that play. We should find him now. Mm. You know, the game, if it's not called in the game, it should be there unless it's just an egregious hit where somebody gets just totaled and they missed the call. But even then somebody at the headquarters and trying and CFL headquarters should phone and say, Hey ref, Umpire, call it. I'll have a timeout. Come over. I want to talk to you. Um, no, I, I listen. You can't. I used to hate this too because quarterbacks. Now remember this: if the quarterback's in the pocket, tackle to tackle, he can't be hit below the knees. Right. I mean, that's ridiculous. Now what? So you can't hit him in the head. You can't hit him below the knees. You can't. T- you can't touch the head. Like you, you cannot even raise it. God yeah. forbid the guy moves and catches your ha- arm, and it's a, it's a penalty. Uh, I hate this rule because listen, quarterbacks, and not only that, they're the highest paid guys on that team. But and that's another point. But having said that, I just, I just think you got to be, you know, I, I mean, it really narrows. It's almost like baseball. You got to go shoulder to, to to knees, like a pitch. That's where you can hit him now. But if the guy goes down and he's ducking to right. avoid the hit, and he gets hit to helmet with the helmet, that's a penalty. Or as you say, he tries to get out of the way. Arm comes across, hits him in a helmet. That's a penalty. Right. Or he gets pushed into it. And I've seen this a number of times. D-lineman gets pushed in to the legs, hits him low. That's a penalty. Well, it's it's just like in the National Hockey League, right? Where if you push a defender into your own goalie, you can't get goalie interference on the other team. Like, it, it's not right. The yeah. CFL but, is probably going to make the right judgment call in those situations. But I, I, so. think, I think back to the West Final last season, Chris, where... Brandon Alexander came barreling down from safety. Cody Fajardo slid. B.A. followed through and he hit Cody Fajardo in the head and he was assessed a penalty. Is it a football play? Yes. Was he targeting the head? I don't think so. But how do you tell it's a penalty. A guy, how do you tell a guy as a defender? A split second, right? Bang, bang. A split second, bang, bang play where he's coming down. He's trying to stop the guy. I mean, because I've seen other times the guys will go and they'll just pretend they're going to touch him. Guy gets up and runs because he's not touched. You're told to finish the play. That's what your defensive line and defensive coordinator is always saying. Finish the play. Same like an offense. Stay with the block till the whistle blows, right? So to me, that's a tough call. Uh, Let him play football. Don't take away the game of physicality from the game. It's already physical, but you don't want to turn it into a game where you know, you start having to wear flags out there because, or the quarterback is going to be so immune that he doesn't have to get hit ever. Uh, you know, receivers go over the middle, they get crunched. They earn their money. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's the hit zone. 
Uh, quarterbacks, most of the time, you know, they have they got protection. And the only time they get hit anywhere is if they get outside that pocket. Right. I mean, that's it. So, well, that's a big a part of that's a big part of football. You refer to it as the alligator arms when the receivers yeah. start going, oh, because yeah, they're yeah. afraid that Brandon Alexander is coming across oh, uh, yeah. to, to lay the hurt. Right. That's a big part of football. The intimidation factor. Absolutely. And if you know him and you've seen him and you get a reputation and that's what Brandon Alexander has, he's got a reputation and you know, he's a, he's a big time hitter. He's made big time plays. Yep. Uh, this is a guy that really brings something to that secondary. And I think anybody that's playing against him, any receiver, they're always looking where's 37, just checking where's 37. Yeah. And if I got a middle route, you know what I mean? That ball better be on my money. I don't want to go up and have to climb up to get that. And then I'll expose my whole ribs to the guy, right? So, yeah. Good point, well, though, DB. I'm giving you another one. It's two. Oh, that's two. All right. Well, I'll go for three uh, at, at okay. some point, hopefully. But, uh, okay. I expect it to be a much more physical game. Ottawa brought the physicality last week. I expect it to be even more physical from both sides. If Winnipeg comes out... Uh, and, and it isn't matching or exceeding the Ottawa Red Blacks physicality level, like at the point of attack or, or tackles downfield or whatever it might be, even blocking, Winnipeg's going to be in for a long night. Mike O'Shea talked about it after the game. He said, maybe I did, like typical O'Shea, taking the, the brunt of the blame for himself. But he admitted, you know, maybe I didn't um, prepare my team the way I should have. He did a padded practice quite a ways before that week one game gave them a couple days off after that. And then they went into their practice week. Um, I'm presuming he probably meant we should have got a padded practice in on the prep week, not, you know, at the end of training camp, of course, new this year, only 12 padded practices. Well, compared to zero, it's not only 12, it's now 12, but 12 padded practices. Uh, each CFL team will be, um, allowed to, uh, to hold, throughout the season 18 weeks plus three bye weeks it's about one every two weeks yeah and it's you know what i i think it's better than nothing it's better the way they had before they've also extended the medical care by a few years that, that was the is, that was the know, the the, the tipping point, point right? right yeah but having said that and it's funny uh jeff what a good comment here and a, and a guy that i i remember watching play a lot uh Kyrie a bear yeah. He was another one of those guys, man. He would just Ooh. knock your, you know, you knock you off. He'd you hit him so hard you wake up next year. Well, that was that was an era of football where pad level and helmet level were the same, and guys yeah. would just kind of torpedo. Right? I, was, yeah. The I even think of like like Macho Harris or um, you know, Clint Kent. Those are smaller guys that played that dimeback spot. But yeah. man, if they came across at you and, and took you down at the legs or or took you across the body or took you up high. Yeah, they could hit like they might only been 185 pounds, but boy, they could lay a. a See, smack. the problem is when Hebert was hitting everybody. A lot of times they were bringing the new rules about protecting everybody, and so he was taking a lot of roughing the passer, roughing the receiver, taking a lot of penalties. But it wasn't because of his play; it was because he was brought up to play that way. He was playing the old style, rough and tough Dick Butkus type linebacker kind of cover, yep. you know, coming up, and then the league changed because safety became a protocol. So now we've got to punish the guy. For well, make him change the way he plays. What so, what I've been told, Chris, and, and you and I have talked about this too, the more protection, and I mean physical, like shoulder pads, elbows, yeah. ribs, hips, knees, helmets, the more protection you give a football player, the more violent they can deliver a blow. 
right? So as the protection of equipment got better, the physicality in football increased. And that's where they had to start bringing in rules about where you can hit, what you target, quarterbacks in the pocket and the rest, right? Well, think about this. The helmets now, they're all professional grade. They're like, uh, you know, I mean, they got, they're not like the helmets we wore where there were just little strips of air in there. And most, <laughs> of, the, most of the time they had leaks. I mean, sure, you had the little pump on the top, right? You'd stick the pump yeah, in and yeah, yep. yeah, feel it. You'd hear it hissing out there when uh, uh, I remember the equipment guy was trying to, uh, Jim, Jim, what's his name? Um, uh, Amy, Len Amy, the equipment guy, God bless you, buddy, RIP. Um, you know, he'd fill my helmet now. I could hear it sliding out the side of my helmet, but uh, yeah, now they got great equipment. I and I agree with you, that's a great point because of the fact that once you've got equipment where you're not fearing anything anymore, right? It tends to you lead. Remember, yeah. when you're taught football. As a as a youngster, you're taught to lead with your head. Well, not, not anymore. Head. Not anymore. Well, what do you? Oh, now I know they're taught you now shoulders, shoulder to the inside, shoulder, shoulders to and the, arms, shoulders and arms to the yeah, right know, above the right above the. When head. I grew up, we, you know what they did in Montreal? My first year in Montreal, we had telephone poles, and we had the headbutt telephone poles. And what? Now, I'm serious, man. That's how stupid it was back then. Yeah, it was ridiculous, man. But guys were knocking themselves out. We come no back, you know, cut our, our, you know, the helmet would come up on our nose, cut our foreheads. Everybody's bleeding. And the guy would just say, come on, do it again. Let's go. It was just ridiculous. It was about, you know, kind of like th- that's when the thinking was the more hits you take, it's like a callus. The callus builds up and then you're tougher. But, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> that hey, science David, is the. David, David Asplund, good point, too. Taylor Loeffler, remember him? Yes. He was, he was a very good football player. Injuries got the best of him over time. And, uh, Unfortunately, I believe, yeah, because yeah, he's not playing anymore. Well, I remember when you and I were on TSN back in the day, you yeah. would always say Taylor Loeffler forces opposing receivers to get those alligator arms. They just shorten yeah. up and protect their bodies. Even though the ball's coming, they should be getting out there to, to make the catch. Taylor Loeffler was so rangy and physical. Uh, he would really, um, you know, impose his will and, and put fear in, uh, in opponents. Um, Luke, Luke in the, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Luke in the live chat. He's watching live on Facebook. Uh, Any idea when Brandon Alexander might be able to return to the lineup? It was about six weeks ago, Luke, that the Blue Bombers revealed their new third jerseys. And why am I bringing that up when talking about Brandon Alexander? Well, he was one of those players that walked onto the stage to display those jerseys to fans and media in attendance. Well, he was limping. That was six weeks ago. This is following uh, an injury sustained, admittedly, in the Grey Cup. Surgery soon after, stayed in Winnipeg throughout the winter. It's clearly been a very, very long recovery for Brandon Alexander from December all the way through to May. No more brace and limping. He is at practice. He is essentially now a coach. Um, Winston Rose described it to me as Brandon Alexander is the, the, the tough parent, the strict parent, and Winston Rose is the fun parent. They, you know, do come together and keep guys in check. Um, but Brandon Alexander is a coach and I have no doubt he will be a coach when his playing career, uh, is through, but is he doing how close is he? We don't know, is he doing but I don't think, right? I don't think, it, I don't think it's going to be next week. Well, usually you see him and I know a lot of times, uh, they used to have the guys come and work out before practice, before mm-hmm. people come to watch the practice. And that's yep. when your athletic trainer would bring the guys out, make them run, do stretching drills, do all the stuff to see where you are, get them on the bike, the exercise bike. God, I had, oh, I had nightmares about that exercise bike. 
Well, you know what? They'd, they'd make you do it. And uh, I'm, I'm actually, it's a good question by Luke because I was kind of curious too how far along. And I know one of the things that Bombers want to do is they're not going to rush him. No. Because you know what you got with him. So, um, I mean, he's a proven commodity. And if you bring him back too early, you've lost him for the year. So, I mean, that's the thing. Well, I think, and think about next year and the year after that and the when year the after Bomber, that. Like Brandon Alexander's. When the Bombers get their first buy? Well, I'll pull up our custom Bonfire Sports oh, yeah. schedule. You can find that in the news section of uh, bonfiresports.ca, also in the video description below. And you can scribble in the scores through the season and follow along as it happens. Um, the Bombers' first buy is not until mid-August, week uh -huh. 11. Yeah, so they go week 11, week 16 is in mid-September, and then week 20 is their final buy. Um, so they'll have a bye, then wrap the regular season, uh, at home against the BC lions on October 28th. And then the playoffs begin. So if they win the West and get a bye, Chris, yeah, presumably it, yeah. it is very presumable, uh, because I think the West is going to be more competition this season than last with Calgary sure. and Saskatchewan. They could go by home game by, and then the final, the, the division final, which will be two weeks later. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, it's a lot of time. They but got I, a long yeah, stretch here. They got a long no, stretch. Yeah, and the reason I just said that, and the reason I brought it up was not about the bye 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 crap at the end. Uh, well, like the, the like crap. the like the Backstreet Boys, or no, who did the bye bye bye? Right, because is that something that they're aiming for? Uh, hypothetically, <laughs> for uh, you know, for Brandon Alexander, you know what I mean? Yep. That's uh, what I'm saying, right? I'm not trying to take steal your thunder there with your your my thunder, your little chalkboard with your bad whiteout. <laughs> whatever 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 you say chris uh shout out to narve in the live chat our old teammate from our tsn radio days how you doing narve uh old former producer uh at uh the station uh everybody in the live chat awesome stuff keep it going uh hit the hotline um even during the game on friday hit the hotline leave a voicemail leave a text we'll get to it on game day after dark our new post game show here on bonfire sports um the last thing I want to touch on, Chris, uh, while we're on injuries, is a, a couple other guys uh, are nicked up right now, and it looks like Jesse Briggs will miss a good yeah. stretch of time. Uh, I thought, Clements. yeah, I was gonna, yeah, Malik Clements. I thought played really, really well in his yeah. Blue Bombers debut last week. <laughs> He's in a knee brace, not practicing. He's on the one game uh, injured list. Uh, I'm just looking for uh, the rest of the the rest of the chart here. Here we go. Um, but, uh, you know, beyond those guys, I don't think Winnipeg is in, in too bad a shape. No. Um, Noah Hallett, Mercy Maston, uh, we know those guys are, are probably going to be a good stretch of time. Um, if not the season, I think in Mercy Maston's case, for sure. Uh, Liam Dobson, uh, on the one game injury list. I don't know if he's hurt Chris. Uh, he's listed on the injury report as a healthy scratch on game day. I think they no longer do the, the game day scratch. They just plunk them on the one game. Okay. So, you know, teams well, used to kind question. of take advantage of that, right? I'm trying to think now, DB. Does the one game count to the salary cap? I know the six doesn't, but does the one game count toward the does. salary cap? It does. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't so, sure. Thank you. you know, Brandon Alexander's making some good cash. He's on the six game. Jesse Briggs is a veteran. Uh, they're probably getting some some savings there. Dakota Prukop, no question, as a quarterback. Um, that's huge savings if he is on the sixth game for the entirety, if he comes off early, 
as early as four weeks is, is the earliest they can come off. You don't get that salary cap relief. Yeah. Just my read on body language, Chris, I don't see Dakota Prukop coming off the practice roster early. Often, and I think you oh, can you relate mean, to this and speak mean, to this. You mean a six game, not the practice roster. Pardon me. Yes, thank you. The, the six game injury list. I don't see him coming off early. And I know you can speak to this, Chris. When you're playing a football game, the endorphins are pumping, the adrenaline is pumping. And then you wake up in the morning and you're like, holy cow, I pulled some muscles yep. and you can miss some time. Speak to that of, of finishing a game, but then being maybe injured severely the next day. Well, I'll, I'll just do this from training camp. And training camp, anybody's been in any training camp, and we had training camp at Brandon, there was always tubs. Huge tubs. I know that clubhouse has tubs and we'd have ice tubs and they mm -hmm. told you, and we were doing two days full gear every time. I mean, so we would go sit in that tub for 20, 25 minutes just to take away the aches and pains in your body. Cause it makes you feel fresh again. But uh, yeah, there's nothing like the next day because you're, you know, after a game and you win the game and you're just flying, like you're still up. You're like you mentioned, your endorphins are still going. I'm, I'm still firing. My synapses are firing. I'm having a great time. I'm going out for a couple of Coley's. I'm just right. having a good time. And then in the morning you wake up and you go, oh, man, my leg is sore. I, and that happened to me a couple of times. You get up and you go, my God, my hamstrings are tight, you know, or my or my ankle's sore. But you can't do nothing about it back then because, I, I, you know, not to beat that adage, but, you know, Cal would come in and he'd come in and go, you can't make the club in a tub. And he'd go, oh, you're out. You're out again. You're not practicing today. And he'd go, oh, time to give somebody a call. Like, he'd played mind games with you. So you didn't sure. want to ever miss a practice. That's yeah. why I made a sarcastic remark to you on Twitter this year, this week, when you went, Mike Miller not practicing. I said, right. oh, you've got to be kidding. Mike Miller not practicing? He hasn't practiced in two years. Well, he has. He has practiced, oh. but not too often. <laughs> not too often. <laughs> He's got the best contract of anybody. <laughs> well, yeah, I bet you wish you didn't have to practice uh, in your oh, day. You but, have uh, to practice. Otherwise, I, you stink. But he's such a good special teamer. He knows what it does. You don't have to teach that. It's in his instinct. Secondly, he plays fullback. He knows what he's got to do. He's a very smart cat, yeah. right? So, I mean, yeah. I can understand it. I just It's just, again, the philosophy that's changed over the years. You know, it's just changed now. The bet days and all this kind of thing. I've never heard it before. But, right. Hey, listen. Well, and, and now now they have the, these physical therapists and, you know, like the cold tubs and the hot tubs and the yep. oxygen chambers and like the ways they roll things out and, and supplements, um, you know, yeah, in the, the sense of, of like salt tablets and, uh, you know, uh, amino acids and all this stuff to like, you know, science well beyond uh, our paychecks, Chris. Can you believe but, that? Though? We started playing and we'd be sweating. And our coach would walk around a plastic bag. This is like when you're younger. And they'd give you a salt pill. Right. No water. You don't no cramp water, up. Salt pill. Yeah. yeah. It's the stupidest thing when you think about it, right? It's stupid. It you're would dehydrate you. You give yeah. me salt. Yeah, it's ridiculous, man, right? But that was the thinking. Now it's all about water, hydration, and, you know, whatever you got to take. Uh, there's that uh, pedi Pedialyte. Right. I remember I used to have Pedialyte on the side. Electrolytes, yeah. It, it just, uh, you know, just it, it kind of rejuvenated my body so and pineapple which i swore by every home game pineapple baby oh popular yeah. the guy uh, from gordon harvey nairn would would come to my locker and every day every game day i'd have a tin foil little package full of sliced pineapple wow oh so good because well, it's know a good a good hydrator too you know who did that eh the big guy that played defensive tackle for the oakland raiders uh, Alf, Alzano, uh, what's his name? Al, 
I'm not sure. On, the guy that the guy that was uh, he got nicked for steroids and, and he passed away, but he was one of the meanest guys that played for the Oakland Raiders, defensive uh-huh. tackle. Come on, somebody. It's, it's not it's not coming to me. But how about how about this, Chris? You mentioned the NFL. Ooh. How about this? Uh, Spread Lacrosse is watching live on YouTube from North Carolina. He says he's super stoked for the Argos uh, Alouettes game tonight, watching uh, from down uh, on the uh, Southern East Coast. Loves the Canadian Football League. What's going on, Spread Lacrosse? Thanks for joining us uh, and and jumping in uh, to the live chat. People want to know if you're Canadian, so uh, hop in there. Lyle uh, Alzado. Lyle Zato. Manny jumping in and saving the day. Yaz dude. As well. I had, seriously, you don't have you don't have men crushes. What do you call male crush or I don't know what it's called. Yeah, man, man I, crush. I had a man crush, and I just loved the way he played. I lo- <laughs> he was just nuts, and I loved the way he, you know he attacked people. He, you know he'd, he'd be after guys, and you know he'd rip their helmets off, and just the stuff he said. He killed a bunch of people on the field and off the field. I think he beat a bunch too, but uh, I just liked the guy, man. Oh. Well, if, if you are watching in the States, we, we've had viewers, I've, I've gone through the analytics, we've had viewers in, in obviously Canada, the United States, but also overseas. We've got people in Asia, in uh, Northern Austria. Europe, in Eastern Europe that are watching. We even had viewers in Ukraine uh, to our shows last week, Chris. So shout out to everybody uh, oh. who is watching or listening, uh, checking out our podcasts, links to everything on bonfiresports.ca that'll get you uh, wherever you need to go and, uh, um just, and if you are watching in the states espn2 the bombers game is on friday night and just a just a quick shout out uh you mentioned somebody from ukraine uh you know wishing you all the best out there i mean obviously it's a tough scenario yeah. going through that country and i uh, wishing you uh, some health and uh hopefully this uh craziness ends soon and you guys can get back to some sort of normalcy in your life no question about that. Uh, Chris, you got a, a prediction or maybe keys to a prediction uh, for week two, Bombers Red Blacks. You know, my, my uh, one key last week was keep sack healthy, keep them upright, right? Uh, they did a good job for the majority of the game. But I think this game, if I'm speaking offensively, it is basically establish the run game. It's an easy key for me. You got to get that run game going. You can't rely on the pass all the time. And defensively, I think you got to get more pressure on on a Jeremiah Mazzoli. I mean, he if he sits back there like he did and moves his legs. He's a monster last he week. Throws, he's always he reminded me when he played for Hamilton a year before he got hurt. Much like Zach Kolaris did. When Zach was got hurt in Hamilton one year, he is beating the heck out of us in, in Winnipeg and he got hurt. He was on uh, you know online to win MOP that year. Mazzoli, same thing. Having a great year in Hamilton, got hurt. Now he's healthy. He's with a great organization. He's got a great offensive coordinator, a head coach, and Paula Police. And I think he's playing up to – I mean, you don't have a better start than that when you throw over 380 yards. No uh, kidding. So, I mean, they got to put pressure on him. And special teams, I just think I'd like to see Janarian Grant break one. Oh, hey, there you go. I love that call on Janarian Grant. Uh, the return game for Winnipeg was a little yeah. bit flat uh, in week one. Uh, I'm curious to see what uh, Mark Leggio brings in week two. And if he gets opportunities to kick uh, some longer field goals, I, I think that'll help, you know, work towards him uh, building some some confidence. Um, missing the convert in week one had the Boo Birds, a few of them, not a lot, but a few of them, at IG Field last Friday. Uh, do you think there's a leash on Mark Leggio with Ali Mortada, who can kick and punt, waiting in the wings on the practice roster? I don't know about that. I think what's happening right now, DB, is that 
it's not about his confidence. It's, it, to me, it's, it's, it's the confidence of head coach, Michael Shea. Mm-hmm. Can he kick it farther? I mean, he, the longest one he kicked last week was 25 yards, right? Field so, goal. I mean, can he go farther? Can he? And he uh, well, he missed from 32, the convert, right? That's right. So, I'm saying, but the one he made. Yep. So, I mean, yep. if he, if he, can I, can I trust him at a 45 or can I do that yet? If he's well, done, you, you got to get him out there to do it. That's gotta get him out there. He's got to earn the trust of the coach again. And that's, what's going to happen. Well, somebody is a spying uh, your puppy behind you, Chris, you want to oh, give uh, your, your dog a shout out. Sorry about it. Yeah. He's right here. I Let was complimenting your, your, Luca, right here. your beautiful black lab, there he is right here. Uh, making his uh, live YouTube debut. Yeah, he's a seven seven month old. He's yeah, here he is. Hey, you want to come up? Want to go on a show? You'll have to, you'll have to tweet a picture, Chris. I'll I'll yeah. be sure to retweet. Tweet a picture of you and Luca uh settling yep. in for the bombers game uh on Friday night. Uh it's gonna be a heck of a contest. Uh it's easy to I, I'm sure you can relate to this, Chris. It's easy to remember uh the things that maybe went wrong. Yeah. Just a few days later, it's also easy to remember those opponents that you didn't like playing against in week one when you got them in back-to-back weeks. So it could be a very physical game. Um, I'm curious to see how it, how it shakes out. Be sure to join us here on Bonfire Sports Man. after the game, about 30 minutes or so uh, after Mike O'Shea speaks on the host broadcast, we will begin game day after dark. And then Chris, of course, you'll be back next week uh, ahead of the game in Saskatchewan. Oh, pardon me. Uh, in uh, home to Hamilton on the home 24th, Hamilton, which will be a great game. I'll say this, listen, um, not to be a homer. I, I think the Bombers are going to do good in Ottawa. But having said that, I'm excited to watch tonight, to watch our old friend, Andrew Harris, number 33, yes. coming out of the backfield for the Toronto Argonauts. So uh, I wish him nothing but the best. So I'm looking forward to that game as well, DB. Absolutely. Appreciate everybody uh, joining us in the live chat today, uh, watching and listening Amen. live. And uh, well, if you're maybe you're watching or listening to this afterwards on the podcast, uh, give us a like, hit subscribe, uh, do all those good things uh, on YouTube and on Facebook. We, we really appreciate that. Big shout out to our sponsor, Maroons Road Apparel. Father's Day is this weekend. They got something I know your dad wants so uh make him happy this father's day say, with something really say, nice from maroon's I road say something too before i go i was talking to the hustle show i was on hustler's show yesterday mm-hmm. yeah andrew hustler who does a great job and um he was talking about uh and i i went on twitter and i got a bunch of craziness when you know little brown jug is trying to give free beer to life if uh, barry trotz becomes the next head coach yes well i want to put a shout out to little brown jug and say hey come on join and sponsor our show man Absolutely. I, I think that's a, that's, you know what, let's do football it. Football players are thirsty too. So are oh. football reporters. <laughs> yeah. Water can uh, be the enemy. Beer makes us feel better. Yeah, that is true. It, it usually makes most things uh, better, at least in the short term, but uh, oh. thanks Chris. Appreciate All it. Right. Enjoy the game. Thanks everybody out there. And we'll see you next time here on bonfire sports and game day Winnipeg. All right, my friend, we'll see you later. Have a good one.